0: Okay, welcome back to The 24 Podcast. This is Mark, and I am joined again this week with Joel. Joel, how you doing? I'm doing all right,
1: Mark. How you doing?
0: I am perfect. So excited to be talking, wrapping up Season 3 of 24 this week. And uh, let's see. I don't know if there's any news this, that's came out this week. We already talked about – um, oh, what was the guy's name? I already forgot it now. But the guy that's going to be the hacker in the new Adrian. season. Adrian, right. So I, I haven't heard of any other news. Have you heard of anything since then? I haven't
1: heard anything specific as far as, as far as new cast members. Um I do know that I just as a matter of fact I just read the tweet like ten ten minutes before, you know, we started this from David Fury saying that the full cast would be announced in about three weeks. Nice. once, once visa issues and everything were sorted out. He had responded to a tweet um, from somebody asking when the forecast will be announced, and he said after visa issues in about three weeks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It's like, yep, yeah, we 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 get the people we want. Well, if the visas work out, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so so that so that puts it right around Christmas time. So that'll be a nice Christmas present for 24 fans.
0: So, do you think even if they are bringing Tony back, do you think they'll tell us, or is it going to be a surprise?
1: Um, based based on the the outrage of people that want Tony back, if I had to take a guess, I would say no. Because it will be it will be kind of anticlimactic to just right. announce, okay, Carlos Bernard is coming back.
0: Right. <laughs> what if I the, think it, I, they're like Carlos Bernard is coming back, but not as Tony. <laughs> like trying to trick us or something. I, I, I think I think I think that they may
1: announce the whole cast, and then shock people when Twenty Four actually comes back to have Carlos Bernard in that.
0: That would be my guess. I, I think it's it's caused enough stir and enough people have talked about it that I don't think they're going to tell us until the day it happens. Yeah, but. of
1: course, it's, it's it's gonna it's gonna be kind of hard because you know the shooting in London. Right, and they're shooting all over London.
0: Right, and
1: the the podcast has a lot of viewers and listeners in London. That's true. So, and unless they shoot in closed off sets, <laughs> somebody would notice Carlos Bernard on the set.
0: Right. So, all of <laughs> all of you there in London, we need you to um, spy on the uh, the the filming, and if you see anything that looks like Carlos Bernard, let us know. Wouldn't it, be, yes. wouldn't it be totally awesome if the twenty four podcast broke that news? That would be that awesome.
1: Would be, that would be that would be totally awesome.
0: <laughs> I don't know. David Fury really wouldn't want to come on our show then, but <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that that might that might hurt our chances of getting David Fury on the podcast. Right. <laughs> but I but that is the
0: risk I would will be willing to take. That's right. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> so let's see. Season three, what were your Wrap up season three for us, Joel. What did What did you think of season three?
1: Season three. Season three. We really got one. One of the main things, and and I, and I mentioned it in in my first blog that I wrote on the website. Um, season three really gave you your first inside look at CTU. Right. Like the the other two seasons. I mean, we got a look at CTU in season one, but that was just mainly to set the people up to be the moles. Right. The only member of CTU that we really got to know that wasn't a mole was Tony.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: but season three, you had all these little intertwining storylines between different members of the CTU staff, whether it be Kim, of course, whether it be Chase, whether it be Chloe, whether it be Adam, um, Gael? you had all the. You, oh yeah, Guy I forgot about Gael. You had all <laughs> these little intertwining storylines, right, of staff members in CTU, whereas before, you know, it was Jack, maybe one or two other people, and that was it, right. So I think I think season three was a breakout season for twenty four. As far as setting the stage for future seasons, right? Because you because you see you noticed in, in future seasons after season three, CTU was kind of a more integral part in the storylines. Yeah. Whereas before, whereas before season three, that wasn't really the case. Right. I mean season 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 two did did a good job of establishing Tony and and Michelle. Yeah, but but not really anybody else except right. for Paula. But that was because they wanted her to die,
0: right? Get her all um, excited, get us excited, and then she dies, right?
1: Yeah, they were just making her sympathetic.
0: <laughs> but in season,
1: but in season three, everybody had a storyline. Right. Every, everybody in CTU had some kind of storyline. That's true. You know we 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 fin- we finally got Chloe O'Brien. Yay! I like Chloe. <laughs> we got we got Gael who <clears throat> for the first half of 24 we thought was it we thought was a mole.
0: We absolutely hated, right?
1: <laughs> we, we we hated Gael cuz he he just he just look you could just look at his face and he looked like somebody you just want to punch in the face.
0: Oh man, he he played the part perfectly like you know, I've watched through season 3, you know, 3 or 4 times but it's been a while. And I remember watching it this time and I'm like, "Oh yeah, he like double crosses everybody." Yeah, and I'd totally forgotten because he plays it so well that I'd totally forgotten that he was just you know he was just helping Jack, and then it's like oh wow, <laughs> that's cool.
1: I, I, <laughs> it, it, exactly. When I watched the when I watched the first half of Twenty Four and I see Gael and everything like that, and I see him on the monitor watching Jack being lifted up into the airplane. Right. I I thought even even watching it back the, the second or third time. Still thought he was a mole, right? <laughs> until until Tony barged into the room, and then Gale said he's in, right? You know, up at, up until that point, I thought he was a mole, right? And of course, season three was another turning point in a character's future, and Tony Almeida,
0: yeah,
1: because season three, I think. As much as I hate to say it, season three was the beginning of the downturn in Tony Almeida's future.
0: What, what, what leads you to that? What, what are the things that you picked out that you're like, oh boy, here goes Tony. Well, through the,
1: through the first, I'll say 75% of the season. Right. Everything, everything was fine. Tony was doing everything he was supposed to be doing. Up until the point that Michelle was kidnapped. Right. And then when he basically risked his career to save Michelle, which is the ba- which basically is the same thing that Jack did in season one. Right. But Jack never put lives at risk by doing that. Right. Tony did. So when Tony was arrested for treason, his CTU career was over.
0: Yeah,
1: everything everything that he worked for was over. And then you know I'm not I'm not gonna spoil future seasons or nothing like that. But you saw how he was in season four. Yeah. And then you saw how he was in season five when Michelle was killed. Right. Then you then you ultimately saw how he was in season seven. Right. So I I think season three. With him getting arrested for treason and going to prison, I think that was the beginning of the end of, you know, ultimate good guy Tony Almeida. Right. Because from from, from season four on, you just got the sense that he was very bitter.
0: Yeah.
1: And angry. Which, which and just, I think season three started that.
0: You know, which just goes to show that you really shouldn't date people at work. It, just, it, it winds up going to treason. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, Tony, Tony, God bless him. But
1: you know, right. first, first it was Nina, then was Michelle. That's true. T- Tony should, Tony should have just stayed single, and he'd yes. be all right.
0: Yes, he should have, <laughs> or you know, dated somebody that wasn't, uh, you know, government agent, maybe. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, know. if if he would have just followed those guidelines, he'd probably still be the director of CTU, right. and we'd all be happy and not asking everybody to bring back Tony.
0: Right. Exactly. But it's the way it goes, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Thinking of that too, I, I was just thinking about the fact that uh, you know we really get to know Michelle a lot better too. It seems like in this season, you know, between yes. between uh, and it it shows the type of. Person that she was, she was put in some impossible situations. I mean, I think about you know her standing outside the hotel and being ordered by not only her boss but also her husband not to go in the hotel. You know, and then she makes the decision: I'm going in. I'm not going to force anybody else to, but it's the right thing to do. So she goes in, you know, risking her own life. But then when she's in there and she ends up having to shoot that guy because he's trying to leave the hotel, I mean, that's mm. you know that's one of those positions that I don't think anybody wants to be put in, and. and you know, quite frankly, she—I thought she handled it pretty well, considering. But you know, she really had some some trying situations, and you know, like you said, you really got to know her a lot better um, in season three than you ever did in season two.
1: Yeah, I think I think, and I, I I remarked this several times while I was while I was watching season three that Michelle really had a coming out party in yes. season three. Yes. Like just watching her her facial expressions and her emotions, and you you could see the emotions that were running through her head in season three right like when when she's in the hotel and you see her and she's watching you know these these residents being taken away with blood coming out of their nose and everything like that, and you see the look on her face, and you can see the emotions that's, that she's going through just by looking at her face. Right. And I thought I thought she did a great job of displaying that emotion. Right. Especially especially when you know Gail died. Yeah. When Gael, when Gail finally died, you could see that, you know, she was almost at the breaking point. Right. And the 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 dynamic between Tony and Michelle you know during the conversations that they were having while while she was in the hotel was you you could you could feel it yeah like she she refused to talk about anything having to do with them until the crisis was over right tony tony you could see tony was a nervous wreck and i think and i think michelle the resolve that michelle showed really is what kept tony from losing it really
0: right you know and and I think one of the one of the i guess the best I don't know it probably wasn't the best for their relationship, but one of the best conversations of the season was when Tony realizes that Michelle didn't listen and went in the hotel anyways, just you know his <laughs> his anger and frustration with her that she didn't listen, you know, and I think even though he knew in the back of his mind that that was the right thing to do, you know and if and- it wouldn't <laughs> if it wouldn't have been his wife, he would have expected them to do that, but with it being his wife of course. He didn't want that to happen, but you know, and, and just the way she responds to him is just like, well, that was what needed to be done, and so I did it. Yeah, yeah and I, I I I remember that conversation, and he he was like,
1: How, how, how did they get outside? And, <laughs> right. And Michelle, and Michelle was like, They didn't. And well... then he was like, What? And yeah. then he was like, What? Yeah. Michelle, are you inside the hotel? I told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you could see the anger on Tony's face when when he asked Michelle that. And right. And you could you could think you know from from don't don't think from a CTU director's point of view. Think from a husband's point of view. Right. How you would feel how you would feel in that situation. Right. And you could and you could and you could sense why Tony is angry.
0: Right. You almost kind of get the <laughs> sense you know as I'm thinking about this and you know like you said Jack was put in the same position but. You almost get the sense that Tony was kind of thrown into this whole being a director role without the preparation that Jack was because he – or maybe it was just his personality. I don't know, but he wasn't able to process things the way that Jack could for, for whatever reason. It seems like Jack was able to you know, get upset and get emotional about it but then get over it and go back to doing his job where Tony kept the emotion and allowed that to affect how he made his decisions.
1: Well, I think, and and you and you kind of and you kind of figured that out when Tony and Jack had their confrontation toward the end of season three, right? When Tony was trying to give Jane Saunders up, yeah. And Tony, Tony said it himself. He was like, "I'm not gonna make the same mistake that you made, Jack." Right. You know, Tony. Tony. Tony is more emotionally involved than Jack. You know, even even though even though it killed Jack when his wife was murdered and sent him in a tailspin. Right. He he was able to put be put in impossible situations and still make it through. Right. Whereas Tony, Tony let his emotions speak for him a lot more than Jack did. Yeah. Like Jack Jack basically, you know, put a gun to the back of Rochfeld's head and pulled the trigger and then went back to work like everything was fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> right so you know even it, even even though I'm sure Jack it hurt Jack inside to do that right he knew that's, that's what had to be done
0: yeah you know and I, and I think too as I'm watching when Tony and Jack are talking after Jack catches up with him when he's taken off with Jane I'm sitting there watching and I'm saying you know Tony if there's anybody you should tell what's going on it's Jack Jack will understand he's been there you know his mm-hmm. family has been kidnapped and you know, knowing Jack, he would have done everything in his power and hatched some sort of plan to, you know, help get Michelle back. But I think what upset him was the fact that, you know, Tony just did it on his own and didn't tell anybody, which granted that's what Jack did too, but I think looking back Jack probably would have thought, you know, if I could tell somebody what's going on, they're going to understand what I'm going through and they're going to try to help me out. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what he expected Tony to do. And he while well, he expected him not to, you know, jeopardize the entire mission on it too, but I don't know
1: yeah and 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 you could you could see you know in the time leading up to when Tony actually took jane out of c t u and you could tell that Jack was picking up on things pretty quickly, right, you know he knew something wasn't right, and he was picking up on it fairly quickly, especially after that conversation he had with Tony where he relieved him of his command, yeah. And you could tell that Jack was picking up on it very quickly because Tony was just Tony was too resolved. Yeah, you know he he gave up his command too quickly.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah you know, he he didn't bother to fight for it. He didn't bother to argue with him. He just said okay, you know he get, he gave up his command a little too quickly. And I think Jack and I think Jack
0: picked up on that. Right. I wonder how and, much of that I wonder how much of that with Tony was you know a little bit of guilt too. Yeah because I mean Tony's a rule follower. You know, he he wasn't a guy that was going to break the rules really. And he had. And so I wonder how much of that, you know, was a little bit of regret. Not that he would have changed what he'd done, but he knew that he had done something wrong and, you know, he wasn't really fit to lead in his his mind, I think. Yeah, and I think
1: and and back, and back then, you know, you know, Tony wasn't really he wasn't the renegade that Jack was right he wasn't a rogue he wasn't a rogue agent that Jack tended to be at times, right but i i think when when Jack relieved him of his command, not only did he know he did the wrong thing and that it was probably best for him to give up his command, but at the same time he knew who was asking him to give up his command, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. If, if, if it would have been, you know, if Chappelle was still alive or something like that and he would have been the one to relieve him, Tony probably would have fought it a little bit more. Right. But the fact that it was Jack and he knew that Jack wasn't going to give it up. Yeah. <laughs> that That, I think, also helped him, you know, even though I'm giving up my command, I'm giving it up to somebody that knows how to run it.
0: Right. And there's no changing his mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no... <laughs> Jack, Jack's already had his mind made up and there's no there's no changing it and anything i say after this may reveal what i'm about to do right right and jack and jack will pick up on it right you know <laughs> so what, that i think that's why he did that
0: right and you know that leads you to mention jack kind of being a renegade at times one of the things that stuck out to me in this season that blew my mind is the the number of times that jack actually said no, we can't do this because of the rules or because of the law. i mean it, it's almost like they spent two seasons you know conditioning you that Jack's going to break the rules and Jack's going to break the rules and he's just a rule breaker and and then you get to season three, and he has so many times where he's the one that's stopping other other people from doing something and saying,' no, this isn't what we do. We you know we have to follow the rules. I mean, you had it over and over again where he was the one saying, no, we're going to do the right thing.' And I, I thought that was an interesting dynamic. It really changed the way I looked at Jack Bauer because you saw you saw the line of what he was willing to do and what he wasn't willing to do. You know, and we've talked about this before that you know, when it comes to, you know, personal gain, he he wasn't impressed with it and he wasn't gonna break a rule for it. You know, there wasn't with Jack Bauer, there has to be a reason that you're gonna change what you're doing. It's not gonna be just because you decide to.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that Jack, you know, Jack will break the Jack always broke the rules, but it's like you said, he always broke the rules for the greater good. Right. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't break the rules just because he's Jack Bauer and he can do that. Right. You know, he broke the rules for a decided purpose. Right. And there were so many times in season three where if he didn't feel like there was a, a calculated – risk involved, he wasn't going to break the rules. And I think being that twenty that twenty-four of season three, they had so many new cast members as far as the CTU staff. So and they needed, even though they had Tony as their leader, they needed a a floor general to guide them in the right direction. Right. And Jack going off going on rogue and breaking the rules all the time not going to accomplish that right so i think i think compared to season one and season two i i think that jack was more reserved in season three because think about it like this jack lost a year of his life yeah trying trying to bring down the salazar's so he wanted to make sure that when he brought down the salazar's he wanted to make sure there was no, there was no. Nina, conditions involved. Right. In other in other words, bringing down Nina and then having her get released on a technicality. Right. He didn't. He didn't want anything like that involved. When he brought when he brought them down, he wanted it to be, 100% legit. Right. And I think he had to stay within the rules to accomplish that. Right. Because 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 you'll notice. Once it became about Stephen Saunders, once it became about him, Jack was a lot less willing to abide by guidelines. Right. When it came when it came to Steven Saunders, right. He was he was he was more he was more the Jack Bauer that we all know. Right. Yeah, I'm going to take down Stephen Saunders, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop me.
0: Yeah, he's a Jack's a you know it's a it's a complex character, and I, I know it's supposed to be, but you know it, you really throughout all the seasons I think you you keep trying to figure out okay where exactly is his you know where are his principles you know what and you know it really we talked about it I think last time or the time before you know and we've touched on it here the fact that you know he's willing to break the rules but there's reasons you know just like we were just talking about and it seems like every single season they add a layer of the things that Jack's willing to do or not willing to do and you keep having to try to figure out okay what will he do, and what won't he do, and why will he do them?
1: And I and I th- I think that was the the appeal of Twenty Four because right. you can't have you can't have every season be the same as seasons past, right? And if you have Jack Bauer, if you change his character a little bit from season to season, then you you change the appeal of Twenty Four, right, which keeps people coming back. If all the if they see the same thing every season, which is Jack starts out as a little employee and then by episode twelve he's going rogue again. Right. <laughs> right. Everybody everybody's going to know the formula for every season. Right. So you have to you have to change his character from season to season to keep people interested.
0: Right. Well, and I think the beauty of twenty four 2 is the the humanity that they gave their characters. You know, they put Jack in impossible situations and. You know, he doesn't always make what you would think is probably the right decision. You know, he he does what the rest of us would do. You know, he acts on the information he had. His emotions come into it sometimes. You know, sometimes, you know, he he does great. Other times you're like, I I don't know if I would have done that. And I think that's what the appeal was too. And the same with Tony and and all the lead characters. They throw him in impossible situations, but, you know, it's, it's not like a comic book movie where they always make the right decision you know they they sometimes make the wrong decisions and they sometimes do things that you're like yeah i i don't know if i would want a government agent doing that but they always have the the right intent you know they're always trying to do the right thing but you know they do a great job of making the characters act on the information they had and you know react to the things that are going on in their lives as well and i think that's one of the really neat things about the show
1: yes and 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 jack was put in impossible situations as a government agent, right? And that that's kind of, that's kind of leading into what I wanted to discuss is one of those impossible situations, as I'm pretty sure you're aware of, is finding out that his partner Chase was in a relationship with his daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and Jack Jack knows what being a government agent does to relationships. Right. He's been there. He's done that. So the the situation that he was put in of having to decide whether he wants Chase to be his partner or whether he wants Chase to be his daughter's boyfriend. Right. And the, the, the struggle that Jack had in three or four different episodes where he was trying to struggle and balance that was you you really you really got to see the the more humane side of Jack Bauer? Like I I know I know he you saw the humane side when when Terry was killed, right? But right. now you got to see the. You didn't really get to see too much of the the fatherly side of Jack, right? Because because him and Kim were always estranged ever since Terry's death, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, him and Kim, him and Kim were on rocky terms, but in season three, you got to see more of the the fatherly side of Jack. Right. Because he to- he he told Chase, he's like, "You cannot have a relationship and do this job. Right. This job will kill your relationship." And I think you got to see, Chase, Chase to this day is my favorite partner of Jack Bauer.
0: He was awesome. I loved Chase.
1: I I, I love I love Chase too, and you, you saw by the end of see by the end of season three when Chase was told Jack, I'm done. You know after, yeah. after 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 the after this day I'm done. You saw that Chase did what Jack couldn't. Right. He put he put he put his personal life before the job. Right. And I and I think that's and I think that's something that Jack respected. Yeah. But at the same time, you heard Jack in that last episode, he was like, I'm the wrong person. You should be asking that question. <laughs> right. You <laughs> because, know, <what>? because <laughs> because we all know what Jack we all know what happened with Jack and his relationships. Right. So he told he told Chase, he's like, this is something you need to decide on your own. I'm the wrong person to be asking this question.
0: You know, and the, that's an interesting dynamic too. you know, being able to make that decision, because, you know, I just thought about it now. You know, Jack is, you know, he's a former special forces, you know, he's Delta Force. And I'd never thought about it until now, but I read um, – I don't know if you remember uh, Chris Kyle, that Navy SEAL that was killed in Texas a while back. Um, I he do was, remember. He was out at the gun range. Well, I read his book, and in his book he talks about that decision, and he talks about how you know it was so hard for his family every time he left on a deployment because his wife just didn't understand because he said, you know, that's what we do. This this is who we are, and you know we love our family, but when they call us, we're leaving. That's just the way it is. You know, and I think Jack had that mentality of, you know, a special forces guy where, you know, yes, I love my family, yes, I care about my family, but you know what, duty calls, and I'm gonna go. And that's, you know, it was kind of that soldier mentality. And I think you're right. I think, you know, he respected Chase being able to make that decision because he had that mentality of this is my job. I'm the only one that can do it. And I, you know, I think a lot of those, a lot of those guys have that mentality, and they have to to survive. They have to feel like they have to believe that they're the best and they're the one that can accomplish this mission. And that was, that's the mentality Jack has, you know? Yes. I love my family. Yes. I love Kim, but nobody else can do what I'm about to do. I'm the one that needs to do it. It's my responsibility. It's my duty. And you're right. I think Chase had a different mindset and, you know, he was, he was impressed, I think, and and wished, I think sometimes that he could feel that way you know because jack t- tries how many times throughout the the uh, series to to leave ctu and leave all of this and it it always Just pulls about him back season. <laughs> it always <laughs> pulls him back and you know it almost became a joke that it's like oh yeah jack's going to come back <laughs> but
1: yeah and 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 you and you wonder at the end of every season you always wonder okay how are they going to write jack off this time <laughs> right. so they can bring freaking back that season <laughs> right you know they never other other than season three, because season, when season three started, he was still a member of CTU. Right, right. But I think I think season three, and I'll have to go back and review, but I think season three is the only season where he, besides season one, of course, that he actually starts the season as a member of CTU. I think you're probably right.
0: I'm trying to think I back, mean, yeah.
1: I, I, yeah, I have to go back and research, but I believe that season three is the only season that he starts as a member of CTU. You know, and, that, and, that, and that tells you how many times he tries to get away.
0: Right. Well, and, and Josh and I were talking about that. It, it was either last episode or the episode before that, you know, when you read the synopsis of the series, it talks about, you know, CTU agent Jack Bauer. But really, the majority of the series, Jack is not a CTU agent. <laughs> you know, <laughs> most of the time he's not. And even, you know, we'll get into it, you know, coming up in the next few weeks, but even in season four – He's not... I mean, he's he's placed on, you know, like a temporary designation as a CTU agent, but he's not. You know, he's just, like, temporarily named one for the sake of, you know, helping out, you know, catching whoever caught Heller, and we'll get into that. But he really... He, he's not a CTU agent most of the time, and it's kind of funny that that's what we always think of him as, but that's not his official title most of the series.
1: Yes, and and... You know, since since we're talking about it, you know, like you said, season four he does he doesn't really he doesn't really start the season as a CTU agent. He works for the DOD. Right. Season five, everybody thinks he's dead. Right. Season six, he's in a Chinese prison. Yeah. Season seven, CTU is finished. Right. And then season eight, of course, he's retired. Yeah. So season, season three was the only season that, and that, and I think that was mainly because of Chase. Yeah. Because Chase Chase was his partner. Yeah. So that, that gave them a reason to basically start the season with him as a CTU agent. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think once you get um, better acquainted with what happened the last year of his life, you know, trying to bring down the Salazar's. Yeah. But you understand why he's a CTU agent
0: because
1: like, like I said, he wanted to bring down the Salazar's and he wanted it to be legit. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's, that's the reason that he started the season as a CTU agent. And he actually, and I think that is the only season that he actually started as a CTU agent and finished as a (laughs) CTU agent.
0: (laughs) Congratulations, Jack. You made it a whole day.
1: (laughs) He actually made it through the season as a CTU agent. That in itself is amazing.
0: Well, and, you know, I think you start to – I think he started to get a little frustrated with the government, you know, how he was being treated, you know, based on what he had done by the end of it too. And you kind of get that – you realize as we start season four, and I don't want to get too much into it. We're kind of jumping ahead. But you realize – kind of the animosity he has towards not CTU in general but i guess the people that are leading it you know i think he kind of feels like he was kind of hung out to dry a little bit you know he you know he got this drug habit that we learned about in season 3 and you know he i i i guess it was only a day but you know fairly successfully kicked it you know he had many opportunities to shoot up and didn't you know and was willing to take care of things and you know get things straightened out and then You know, we find out in the extra credits, and I think it was you that I think sent me the video on you on Twitter, and we'll have to put that in the show notes. But um, you know, when Driscoll fires him, you know, basically says, "Look, you're done. You know, you're a druggie. You didn't tell anybody about it, and you're done." And I think he he didn't go to the extent that Tony did, but I think he was kind of done with the people running CTU and running division. Not so much the you know the country, but. He kinda got to the point where he's like, you know, why am I doing all this if nobody's gonna you know, if I'm just gonna get thrown under the bus at the end of it.
1: Yeah, and and I and I think and I found that um that clip on YouTube of Driscoll actually firing him. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, I can't I can't say what he told Driscoll because this <laughs> is a, a, a PG podcast. This is a family show. <laughs> This is a family show, so okay. I can't say exactly what he said, but it's a great line. One, I'll give him that. That was one of the, that was one of the greatest lines right. that I that I've heard in twenty four, right. and it came in a, and it came in an extra in an extra.
0: Right. So because it was. It, it, let's see, Driscoll basically tells him, "Look, I'm gonna let you go," but then doesn't she say, "Well, I'll, I'll help you get another job, or I'll help you, I'll write you a reference, or something like that," and then he's like, "You know, with all due respect, I can find my own job."
1: Yeah, that's, at, that's not exactly what he said. Added some colorful
0: that, words in there, but that was the gist yeah, of it.
1: <laughs> that, that, that was the gist of it, was he could find his own job. Right. And I think they did that to kind of set up the dynamic for the confrontation between Aaron yeah. Driscoll and Jack Bauer at the beginning of season four. Right. But this is season three, right? so we're going to bring it back.
0: Right. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> You know, we're gonna
1: bring it back in for a little bit.
0: One of the other things about season three is, it, it seems like there this entire series up till now, you keep getting these little hints of this Kosovo mission that happened, and yes. they keep playing on this you know this same theme of this one mission that you know Jack and David Palmer you know not even realizing it at the time but were both a part of and it had tied them together. You know, and and I don't even think Saunders realized, I don't know that he realized that Palmer was a part of that, but it seems like there's this common thread that keeps bringing Jack and Palmer together, which is this mission that had gone, you know, wrong, obviously. You know, people that were supposed to be killed weren't killed, and, you know, people that they thought were killed weren't killed. (laughs) You know, and it just keeps coming up, and it keeps coming back from... The
1: the gist of it is... Even even though Kosovo was a very popular mission, apparently from what we found out, it was a complete failure from all aspects. Right,
0: right. Yeah, I mean they were supposed to kill Drazen, and they thought they did, and they didn't. And then, <laughs> you know, they left Saunders there, which I mean you can tell that's one of the cool things too. And in, in season three, you can tell that when Jack realizes who it was, he feels horrible. I mean, you know, he he I think I I would guess in some small way he kind of blames himself for the way Saunders is because he realizes that he had left him behind and you know, he didn't mean to. He didn't know that he had lived, but you know, I, I think Jack felt a little bad for that because, you know, as we've seen over and over again, you know, when he's talking to Palmer in what season two when um you know Palmer accuses him of, you know, going after him. Or was that no, that was season one for going after him because of the failed mission, you know, Jack says, no, it was my fault that it failed. You know, it was my fault that those guys died and I blame myself, you know, and that keeps coming back up. And I think he felt the same way when he found out that Saunders hadn't died, that, you know, he took a little bit of responsibility for that because he was the, you know, he was the team leader. And I think he felt responsible that that had happened. And that plays in a little bit, I think, to him dealing with Saunders and you know, when he talks with him and trying to figure out what he's trying to do and why he's doing it, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of guilt there.
1: Yeah, especially, you know, when he when he changed the the search parameters to presume dead. Yeah. And he saw Steven Saunders picture come up. You could see on his face that he was like, oh, my God. Right. You know, he had that. Oh, my God. Look on his face. Right. And you and you could tell that he realized before he even talked to Stephen Saunders, you could tell that he realized what this was about. Right. That Stephen Saunders blamed the government for leaving him behind. Right. And I think that was that was a dynamic that was played out throughout the entire season with Stephen Saunders because he blamed the government for leaving him behind. And then ultimately, use the president to act out his act out his plans. Right. You know, it, it was basically his way of getting back at the government for leaving him behind. Right. And I think I think that was what um, David Palmer, because David Palmer authorized the mission. Yeah. So so I so I think David Palmer felt a little bit of responsibility as well for what happened, but David but David Palmer, unlike Jack, right. David wasn't willing to feel any kind of
0: remorse for it. Right. He
1: he felt a little responsible, but he wasn't he wasn't remorseful. Right. For what happened because he did what he thought was right. Right. And Stephen Saunders had a different view of things yeah Yep. (laughs) he he he, his his view was the government you know you're not supposed to leave anybody behind in battle right and the fact that he was he was not even an, an american citizen he was on loan from mi6 right and the fact that the government just turned their back on him like that according according to him anyway yeah that he, he felt he felt he felt betrayed and he wanted to do to the government what he felt the government did to him
0: yeah
1: and i think that was an interesting dynamic because he was he was a villain but he was a villain that you kind of felt for right like you 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 could see his side of the story yeah even though even though you don't agree with his methods you agree you you see his side of the story You know, he felt generally betrayed because the government left him behind after they got him on loan from MI6. Right. And then they still just left him behind.
0: You know, and I I think, too, you could tell as as Jack talked about him throughout the rest of the the season from when you find out who he is and Jack finds out who he is, you can tell that Jack doesn't condone what he's doing, but he understands it a little bit. You know, he as when he realized who it was, it kind of seemed like he went from no way, there's no way he's alive too. The next thing was, oh wow, I can't ima- i you know I can't imagine what they did to him to okay, that makes sense what he's doing. I don't agree with it, but it makes sense and and he makes the comment over and over again that you know Stephen Saunders was one of the most patriotic people he knew. I mean he you know he makes that comment that this guy was a patriot, I mean he was a good man, and he tells his daughter that too. He's like you know he was a good man, he's not the same person that I knew, but yeah, it's amazing to see. That dynamic of the respect that Jack obviously has for Saunders you know coupled with you know stopping him from you know unleashing mass chaos on the United States
1: (laughs) yeah and I think that was a I think that was the first time in 24 that Jack was actually going after someone that he kind of felt sorry for Right, you know, he knew he had to take Stephen Saunders down. Right, but but at the same time, he kind of felt sorry for what Stephen Saunders was trying to do. Right, and the re and the reason for it. Right, because 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 like you said, Stephen Saunders felt partially responsible. I mean, excuse me, Jack Bauer felt partially responsible for the way Stephen Saunders was acting. Right. So if if Stephen Saunders went through with releasing that virus and killing millions of people, Jack would have felt partially responsible for that. Right. Because he's the one that left Saunders behind. Right. So he's the one that would feel partially responsible for that. Right. And I don't and I don't think based on what he's gone through, I don't think he would have been able to deal with that. Yeah. (laughs) I really don't think he would have been able to deal with that. And I can't I can't remember because I was looking at some of the, you know, interesting 24 facts. But I can't remember somebody auditioned for Stephen Saunders besides the guy that eventually got him. And I was going to mention this when when the podcast
0: started. And as soon as it started, I completely forgot. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see who would be who would be British guys that we could see playing that part. Um, and, Mr. Bean? No, <laughs> that would be funny. Um, I'm
1: I'm trying I'm trying to think, and I can't for the life of me figure out who eventually who who auditioned for that part because it's somebody that we all know. But oh, never never mind, never mind. I I, I changed that up. The guy that that eventually got the villain of Saunders, right? He actually originally auditioned for the role of Michael Amador. Oh.
0: Yeah, he plays but a better
1: Saunders. But he didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't get it. But after failing the audition, his agent went back and negotiated him to have the role right. of Stephen Saunders, which turns out to be a bigger role right.
0: than Michael Amador. <laughs> a great a great role, yeah. And he fits so, it better. Although, you know, I was just thinking, you know who would have been a really good Stephen Saunders? Who? Jason Statham. <laughs> he would have been good.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I would, I would have, if if that would have happened, I would have loved to just, you know, see a fight scene between right. Jason Statham and, and, and Kiefer Sullivan. Right. That would have happened. Just, it would have had to just, have happened.
0: Just, just, just
1: the fight scene alone
0: <laughs> would have made, would have made the entire season. <laughs> we, we should do an entire episode on what if so-and-so played this part? How would that change? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Because another, another one, um, do you know who, Gabriel Mott
0: is. Uh uh-uh. uh.
1: The guy that plays Harvey in suits.
0: Okay, vaguely.
1: Yeah, he, he auditioned for the role of Chase. Huh. But they were so impressed with James Dale's performance that they said, nah, we'll get, we'll get we'll <laughs> get we'll get somebody else. Right. <laughs> huh. That's cool. And you know, it it's 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 always interesting to see you know who auditioned for what parts, right? You know, and and just to sit there and imagine, okay, what would happen if they had gotten that part?
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that the the lady I can never say her last name, so I'm not gonna try, but uh, that plays Michelle Dessler. You yeah, know, she, be she uh she applied, she tried to be Nina Myers, and I am so glad she wasn't, because I like her. And I wouldn't have liked her if she was Nina Myers. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and it's, it's, it's kind of it's hard, you know, when you, when you realize that she auditioned for Nina Myers. And I try to sit back and I imagine how she would have been as a villain. Can I right. even imagine her as a villain? Right. And I can't do it. No. Because she, she's just like, like Nina Myers, even though she was a good guy for most of season one. She was a little shady, you, it seemed if like. Ju- if you just look at Nina Myers. Yeah. She just has that look of a villain. Yeah. She just has the look of this of this woman that you just wouldn't trust. Right. Michelle right. doesn't have that look. She has this wholesome, you know, girl next door type look. Right. <laughs> I I just couldn't imagine her being a villain. I
0: know. It's weird.
1: But one one thing that one thing that would have remained the same though is no matter whether she Got Michelle Dessler or Nina Myers. She would have eventually had a relationship with Tony anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Tony wouldn't have cared either way. That's right. It, it would have been the same, really. <laughs> so he, have, he he would have had a relationship with her regardless. Right. So,
0: right. It pa- was meant to be. That was, apparently that was destined to happen. That's right. Meant to be. So you know we we mentioned Nina. Nina. We should talk a little bit about the fact. It seems like season three. All of a sudden. I mean, there were some very notable deaths. More so than the other two seasons. You know, you had quite a few main characters that are no longer with us. Sometimes sadly, sometimes not so much. Um but I mean you think about it and you have um let's see, who was the first one? Nina who's killed and, and nobody felt bad about that one. At least I didn't. And and I thought it was, it was very my favorite part. Yeah, I thought it was very neat how Jack's standing over and says, You don't have any more information, do you? And she's like, No, no, I do and he's like, No, you don't and shoots her. <laughs> Yeah, because he she said she said I do I do but Jet saw
1: out of the corner of his eye that she was reaching for the gun.
0: Right, right. No, no, don't pay attention to what I'm doing here. Hold on.
1: <laughs> no, no. Look, look at me, Jet. Don't right. look at my
0: hand. <laughs> so you have you have that one. So you have Nina, who was a villain for three seasons, like we've talked about, and you know everybody. I I think to this day she is probably still everybody's favorite villain, for whatever reason. She was gone after the third season. They've had. Five more seasons after that, people still talk about Nina. She is still the one that everybody hates. (laughs) She 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 was like the villain that wouldn't die, right? Through through like season
1: three, through like three seasons, everybody kept wondering how is she still alive?
0: Why hasn't somebody killed her? She murdered that's wife in season one, and she's still alive. Why why hasn't somebody put a bullet in her head yet? And then they finally do. So there's that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and it seems like no matter what they do, they just can't kill her. Right. Until, Jet, until Jet's finally like, okay, I'm done playing around here. <laughs> right,
0: right. You know, and, and I love when Chappelle's talking to him about it. And Chappelle kind of gives him that look like, look, nobody faults you for doing this, and we weren't really excited about her being alive anyways. But <laughs> you still can't do that, Jack.
1: Yeah, you still, you, st- you still, you know— you still can't do that. At least until we get all the information that we need?
0: Because I mean, you got to remember too that you know Chappelle knew Nina very well. I mean, Chappelle was Nina's boss, one of the bosses. I mean, he was a division. You know, during you know Nina's whole let's betray the entire country escapade. So yeah, Ch-
1: Chappelle, Chappelle, Tony, and Jack were probably the
0: three that knew t- that knew Nina the most. Right. She didn't have any friends at CTU when she came back. It's safe to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, she she did not. And, cool. I, and I and and I I
1: think what happened in season three is what everybody wanted to happen in season one. Right,
0: right. You know, yeah, and it's, you know, she had, she was a very polarizing character. You could tell when she walked in the CTU that, you know, everybody knew who she was. Everybody knew what had happened. And they all kind of, even the new people that weren't there at that time, I think they all kind of, it was one of those, you know, let's turn and look and see who this Nina Myers is that everybody's talked about, you know, and we've all heard about. You know she was kind of i don't want to say celebrity, but she was infamous, you know everybody knew who Nina Myers was you know and when when she walked into c t u everybody wanted to see who Nina Myers was
1: yes and and you and you see the the reaction the the look on Kim Bauer's face,
0: oh man, I think Kim would have shot her shot her right there if she could have. <laughs> When when Nina, when Nina was brought back in the C T
1: U, you could see the look right. on Kim Bauer's face, and 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 you saw and you saw it again when Nina was trying to escape, and Kim trapped her down and she held the gun. You could tell by looking at her face that everything in her body wanted to put a bullet in Nina's head. Right. But but her her emotional side kicked in to the point where she knew that that wasn't the right thing to do. Right. But as 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 Nina was lifting her gun up to shoot Kim, you could see Kim was fighting, you could see it in her face that she was fighting the urge not to shoot her. Right.
0: Yeah, it would have been interesting if Jack hadn't came in to see what would have happened. You know, if if Kim actually could have pulled the trigger. I think she could have, judging by later on when she's kidnapped, you know, she's, you know, doubling for Jane Saunders and she shoots that guy. I think she could have done it, but at the time, you're like, is she really going to be able to do it? Because you know that she's a good person. You know that she's not a killer. And so even as bad as she wanted to kill Nina, she struggled with it because she knew it wasn't the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, and, and you can you could tell when when Jack finally came in and shot Nina, you could see the the sense of relief that came over Kim's face.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Good. She's like, dead. <laughs> okay. I'm not the one that has to shoot her. Right. But she still got <laughs> shot, which is what I really
1: wanted. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Uh, She's shot, but I'm not the one that had to do it. Right. And you could see the, and you can see the relief that it's finally over. But you see when when Jack tells her to go get, I forget what, I forget what he told her to do. I think he just said you to leave th- the room yeah and and you could see that she she knew what was going to happen <laughs> this isn't going to be the last time i will see her alive <laughs> and she knew what was going to happen and she was trying to some for some reason she was trying to talk her dad out of it right because i think she was trying to say you know dad we still need her and jack was like leave the room right <laughs> And Jack wasn't playing anymore. Right. And I and I think you, you saw you saw the look on Kim's face. You know when when Tony first realized that Nina was involved and he was trying to keep it from Kim. Right. And Adam, you know, because Adam was oblivious to the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he
1: didn't re- he didn't realize it. So when he showed Nina's picture up on the on the big screen, and you saw the look on Kim's on Kim's face. Right.
0: I love Tony' like, I love Tony right away and he's like Kim can I talk to you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tony knew it right away you saw the look on Tony's face he knew it right away he was like Kim right. can I talk to you for a second right and you could tell that Kim was like oh my god yeah I have to do I had to deal with this again right <laughs> it seems like every time that Jack and Kim think that they've put Nina behind them she pops back up again right and I think Kim I think him was pretty much sick of it.
0: Yeah. You know thinking back, you know, we talked a little bit about Jack doing the right thing even when it was hard. I was just thinking about this as we started talking about Nina. When they're in Mexico and Nina kisses Jack, I mean that had that had to have been for Jack the hardest time to not lose his self control and just kill her. I mean, if I was him, I, I would have killed her. <laughs> Because you know, knowing everything she had done to his family and everything, I, yeah, I, I I don't think I could have kissed her, and you uh, know,
1: I, I, I don't think I could either.
0: But and Nina even says she's like, "No, you haven't changed. You're you're still a <laughs> C.T.U. I can tell." And it's like, yeah, I, at that point, I probably would have killed her. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, it was an accident, Chappelle. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I probably would have shot her by right then.
1: Yeah, you know, as as I was kissing her, I would probably put the gun at her at her
0: chest and just pull the trigger. Well, he was tied up at that point, wasn't he? Um, wasn't he tied up? I wasn't that when she had when he was caught by her? I don't. I don't know if he had been untied by then or. Either way, he would have killed her. I mean, he doesn't need his hands untied to kill somebody. Let's be honest. <laughs> but he, but I, I think he would have definitely.
1: He would have definitely killed her. He would have. Yeah, he would have inflicted some damage. And, and that, and that and that's another that's another key point is that's how much he wanted to bring down the Salazars right exactly to actually, to actually work with Nina
0: <laughs> actually kiss after her
1: all, after all that happened actually kiss her and work with her oh. show, shows Amen. that how much he wanted to bring down the Salazars
0: right so let's uh let's jump to the next notable person that doesn't make it through the season Ryan Chappelle. And we've talked about him before uh, several times. That's one of the, I think I think that's one of the notable deaths in the entire series. And I I think it's because he's executed. It's not yes. it's not typical. Even for twenty four, that was a little I don't want to say brutal, but it was a little shocking. And you know, you get used to people dying in twenty four, but that one was <laughs> that's tough. I mean, I have a hard time watching that, and I know exactly what's going to happen.
1: Yes. And I I think Ryan Chappelle was kind of like George Mason. Right. He would have been a great leader if he wasn't so concerned about his own well-being. Right. And we 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 talked about that, about George Mason, you know, in season two. How great of a leader he would have been had he not been concerned about his own career. Right. And I think Ryan Chappelle was the same way. If he hadn't been so concerned about Ryan Chappelle he probably, he would have been a great leader. And I think, you know, I, I see all the notable deaths that happened in 24, season three. And I realized that, I guess 24, I guess season three was kind of the the end of the annoying characters. <laughs> 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 you know, the the the, char- the characters that we really couldn't stand through three seasons they finally decided to kill him off.
0: It's like the writers finally said, okay, we're not dealing with these people anymore. I can't deal <laughs> okay, with this we're,
1: character. We're tired we're, ti- we're tired. of putting the fans through this, so we're going right. to go ahead and kill them
0: off now. <laughs> you know, but th- I- that's one of those the most touching 10 minutes of the entire series. You know, watching Jack and, and Ryan talk, you know, and, and Ryan, you know, over and well, it kills me. And, and you kind of feel bad for the guy, you know, when Jack's like, is there anybody you want to call? And he's like, no, I, I, there's nobody, you know, I have a brother, but I haven't talked to him in years and just, you know, how sad that is. And I think at that point, kind of like Mason did with realizing he only really had his son, you realize that it's like, wow, I've, I've completely sacrificed my entire life for this job. You know, I I don't have a life basically, you know, and nobody likes me. I think that's what Chappelle got to is nobody likes me. (laughs) No, really (laughs) nobody's going to care one way or the other. And it's just, I don't know. It's really sad. You feel bad for Chappelle, and you don't feel bad for Chappelle a lot of times in twenty four, but you certainly <laughs> do at the end of his life.
1: Yes, and I, and I think it, it's, I, I go I go back to to George Mason because you didn't feel sorry for him either, right? Up until up until he got on that plane, right? And Ryan Chappelle, even though he tried to get away, you know, to keep himself from being killed. I don't think you you really felt sorry for him until no until until the conversation that Jack and and Ryan had before Jack shot him. Well, and, and you see Ryan and you see Ryan take the gun and try to put it on right. himself. Right. And he just Can't couldn't do it. do it. Right. It was just, it was one of the most emotional emotional scenes I think I can remember in twenty four.
0: Yeah. Well, and Chappelle, you know Mason you had Mason who had done the right thing for several hours before he ended up giving his own life. You know, he had, he had come to terms with it and, you know, had done, you know, made the, the tough calls like with Paula and had went back and helped and got on the plane. And he'd done a lot of things where Chappelle, I mean, he tried the run and then it was, you know, what, 45 minutes he was dead. <laughs> you know, it wasn't very long after that. And so, and, and I'm not saying he wouldn't have got to that point, but he didn't have the opportunity to. And and so, yeah, it it was up until right at the end. And you're like, okay, you know, he, you feel bad for him. And I think, you know, the most touching thing for me is, and I think you and I talked about it before when we talked about this, it was either you and I or you and Josh, I can't remember, but up until the very last moment, you're like, okay, how is Jack going to get out of this? You know, how is he going to keep from doing this? Because he always seems to get, you know, he was supposed to kill Nina and he didn't. And we all wish he would have, but (laughs) You know, but he always seemed to have a plan. And then you get there and you're like, okay, there's going to be some way he's going to get out of this. They're going to get Saunders last minute or something. And then you have, you know, Chappelle who says, well, there's no way, there's no other way, is there? And Jack's like, no, I can't see any. And you're just like, is this really going to happen? You know, and and then you have Jack who, right before he pulls the trigger, says, God forgive me. And then pulls the trigger and you're like, wow. (laughs) Wow. that oh yeah exactly and that was
1: that was one of the the more touching scenes because of the fact that jack was the one that pulled the trigger right you know jack jack and chappelle you know they had their differences but i think there was a level of respect there right you know jack he didn't agree with ryan on a lot of things but especially in season one (laughs) right but He he respected Ryan for the position that he's put in. Right. Like you you you'll remember when when Ryan first found out that Jack killed Nina and they were watching the footage. Yeah. And and Chase came in and said they have a they have a location. And Ryan's like, they'll crucify me if I let you back in the field. Yep. And Jack and Jack said, "This is your call, Ryan." Yeah. He basically that 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 was that was that was another that was another way that he basically put as another way that he was basically not being Road Jet Bauer because you know the old right. Jack Bauer would have been like I'm, I'm sorry going. Ryan I'm yeah. going yeah
0: <laughs> he would have been walking out the door at that point in time
1: and 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 then, and then he kind of said Ryan this is your call because he knew that he had put Ryan in a tough position right he knew that he put him in an impossible position right and then for Ryan to let Jack back into the field kind of showed the level of mutual respect that was there between Ryan and Jack and i think they did i think you know they knew that they were going to kill Ryan off that season yeah so they they kind of they kind of spit a majority of that season kind of establishing the mutual respect between Ryan and Jack right to make it to make it more emotional when Jack finally had to kill him.
0: Right. And to make it so it wasn't just Jack doesn't like him, so he's willing to do this kind of thing. They didn't want yeah. I don't I don't think they want Jack Bauer's character to look like he enjoyed killing someone.
1: Yeah, they, they, they wanted to make it as sympathetic as possible. And in order to do that, they had to make it they had to establish a mutual respect right. between Jack between Jack and Ryan. Because through the through the other seasons, through the other two seasons, there wasn't much shown that could give you any idea that there was any kind of respect between right. Jack and Ryan. Right. So I think they spent season three kind of establishing that mutual respect, especially when, when Jack was being interrogated yeah. by I think I think it was Internal Affairs, was it? Yeah. For his heroin, heroin. addiction.
0: Yeah. It's and
1: Ryan like... was trying to change the the date in which Jack got hooked. Right. And Jack was like, I respect what you're trying to do, Ryan, but
0: That's not what that's happened
1: that's my that 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 that's my story as right. is. Right. And I think that was another way of establishing that mutual respect to the point where you would think that it would be hard because if if all you watched was season one and two, you would think that all Jack, all got to do is just ask for the gun and boom, <laughs>
0: just put a yeah, bullet in the
1: back of his exactly. head.
0: You know, and I, and, I, and that's exactly, you know, I think they didn't want that character to look that way. And so, yeah, they, they did. I I hadn't thought about it that way, but they did spend a lot of time building up the respect and the, you know, kind of not really, I don't know that you ever really get to where you like Chappelle till right at the end, but you got to the point where you realize he's good at his job and you have to respect him. I mean, he's good at what he does. So, but we are, uh, let's see, we're almost, we're getting short on time. So we better talk about that third, um, death before we get to the end here. And, uh, this is another (laughs) one that, you know, honestly, I was a little more sad about this one than I was Nina and that is Sherry Palmer. Yes. yes, I I can't be, I can't be happy about her dying. Like I was Nina for whatever reason. I don't miss her really, but I don't. I'm not. I wasn't to the point of disliking her as much as I was Nina, and maybe it's because Sherry. I don't think Sherry was as much of a traitor as she was just opportunistic. She was more of a yeah. politician, I think, than really a traitor. <laughs> and maybe that's where the difference is. Not that I really think very highly of, you know, traitors or politicians sometimes, but. <laughs> I, I think what 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 made Sherry more likable than Nina was because
1: Sherry did some. Bad things, but she did them for the right reasons. Right, Nina. Nina did some bad things just for personal gain. Just for Nina, right? <laughs> just, just, just for Nina, yeah. you know. Sherry, her ultimate goal was help David. David help David Palmer's pres- presidency. Right. right, and that 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 leads me to another fun fact about Twenty Four. Okay, the detect- the detective right. that was inter- that was interrogating Julia Milliken. Right. And called and called David yes. or Sherry. Called yes. Sherry, excuse me. Called Sherry, and asked her where she was. Detective mm-hmm. Michael Norris, I think his name was. Yep. He also came back in season seven and played General Benjamin Juma. Oh, that's right. So Dun-dun. he he was he was the only he was the only character in twenty four to actually play two different characters in the seasons.
0: Nice maybe it was his
1: twin brother in season one in season one they did it but you know he was kind of the same guy it was just right yeah but i didn't i I didn't realize that until i started reading up on it because he was kind of a throwaway character in season three which is why they probably brought him back in season seven
0: because we'd all forgot about him
1: yeah because he only he only had like i think he only appeared in what one episode in season three
0: yeah maybe two yeah
1: May, may, maybe two. So if you if you did if you wasn't really paying attention, you wouldn't have even remembered detective Michael Norris.
0: Right. Or unless We're you just... looked online and found out that he played in two different
1: parts. <laughs> Which and that's pro- and that's probably why they agreed to bring him back in season seven because they're probably like, eh, that was four years ago. Nobody remembers the detective that appeared in one episode. Right. <laughs> so, right. But I think. Sher- but going back to Sherry, I think Sherry's death was. You saw the look on on David's face yeah. when Wayne when Wayne told him right. that Sherry had died, and David David realized that it was basically his fault. Yeah, because he because he brought Sherry into this. Right. He he said he said, and this is one of the great one liners of the of the seasons when he brought Sherry in to clean up Wayne's mess. He was like, "We're we're in a dog fight, Wayne. That's what she does best." Right. Right. <laughs> and I think David kind of felt responsible for that.
0: Yeah,
1: I'd agree. And the fact and the fact that now his his m- kids don't have a mother. Right. And you, you kind you kind of you kind of got a, a glimpse of it in season two when she went to meet Jack uh, Peter Kingsley. Yeah. And and david knew that her life was at risk and he was real uncomfortable with that so you knew that even though he didn't agree with sherry he didn't want
0: anything bad to happen to the mother of his children right you know and, and i, I think, think i think there's a part of david that that loves sherry and probably always would because i mean they'd been together you know probably i would guess probably 20 years before they got divorced i mean so I, I think there was still some emotion there. He, I don't think he really wanted to be anywhere near her, because he, <laughs> he couldn't trust that she wasn't going to completely, you know, manipulate him or other people. But yeah. you know, I don't think it was that he didn't care for her or care about her. I, I, th- I think any any time that
1: that um you have a a wife or an ex-wife, and you have kids with that person. Right You're you're always going to care about that person Regardless if you want to be in the same state as that person You're always going to have a a sense of loyalty to that person Yeah Because you had kids with that person You were married to that person
0: Because your kids care about that person
1: Yeah, I mean regardless of how you feel about that person Your kids still love
0: her Right
1: You know, still the mother of their children
0: You know, and that's evidenced Mm -hmm. by the fact that that's the words he used when Palmer's like, well, we can twist this this way. And he's like, you know, you're talking politics and the mother of my children has just, you know, been killed. You know, that's exactly he was thinking about, you know, Keith and Nicole, you know, at that point. You know, how do I how do I break this news to him?
1: Yeah. And and you and you could tell you could see the anguish on his face. Right. When he told his assistant to have his his kids brought to the conference room. Right, you could see the anguish on his face, and I think that was the the deciding point that David was like, "I'm done, I'm I'm done." Yep. You know that that's the end of my presidency. Right, <laughs> that's the um, you know I can't I can't I can't take this anymore. Right. You know politics has cost has cost me my family, has cost me my right. my personal life. You know right. everything everything was ruined because of my presidency. Right. And he was like, "I'm done." And I think, I think Sherry, Sherry's death was a lot more emotional than I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, up until that point, you're like, "Would somebody just kill her, please? <laughs> Can she just <laughs> I mean, be was, gone?" <laughs> you know, I,
1: I was actually begging for you know Sherry to accidentally get killed in the line of fire in right. season two with Peter right. Kingsley. Right. But to actually see it happen in season three a little bit more emotional than I thought it was going to be
0: right I agree very much so so anyways that's a uh, on that happy note that's the probably should start <laughs> wrapping up here we uh you know we're grateful to have you on Joel as always I want to mention to the the audience for those of them that have not done so you are doing a weekly blog post on the 24podcast.com and that comes out Wednesdays every week correct
1: Every Wednesday Every
0: yes. Wednesday we have a new post about 24 from Joel and I know Joel, you're working on getting some uh, former cast members and writers and whatnot working on getting some interviews with them and some inside information. so definitely um, listen to the podcast on Fridays but also head over to the website on Wednesdays and you know read what Joel has to say and get a little bit more inside of the mind of Joel and what he thinks of 24. Yes.
1: And um I just la- I just posted a blog um about Tony Almeida. Right. Which I'm sure everybody knew was coming eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so definitely definitely read that post about Tony Almeida because it pretty much sums up his entire character and why right. Twenty Four Live Another Day needs Tony back. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so David Fury, if you're listening, here, here's your compelling evidence. Here's your compelling <laughs> yeah. reason why you need to bring Tony back in the new
2: season. Hey, this is Josh Rivers, and I hope you enjoyed the episode with Mark and Joel. Uh, unfortunately, the last part of their conversation uh, got cut off for some reason. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, come and bring this wrap up for you guys. And so, just a reminder, you can go to our website, the24podcast.com, and you can be able to get all the different blog posts, as was mentioned there at the end. You can also get a uh, list of the show notes, different information from the podcast episodes. We're definitely excited to be able to bring those. And then also, you can be able to go to the24podcast.com forward slash iTunes, and that'll take you to the iTunes uh page there where you can be able to leave us a review and we would definitely appreciate that it makes the show a lot more visible for other people that might be searching for uh, similar information here about 24 and so especially as we get closer to the time that the show releases more people are going to be looking for different information and this can be something very valuable uh, to them And so if you appreciate the show and you enjoy the show, we'd definitely love for you to be able to go and leave us a review there on iTunes. And then also uh, you can follow on Twitter. And so Joel's Twitter account is at GiftedMoney. And then uh, Mark's uh, Twitter is at Skrop, S-K-R-O-P-P-2 s crop two and so you can follow him on twitter and then my twitter is at joshua w rivers and so we would definitely appreciate uh any following and any conversation that's there and so um then also the official uh twitter for the podcast is at the 24 podcast and so you can follow that on twitter as well we've been having a couple technical difficulties with that here lately hopefully that'll get all ironed out and back to normal but anyway so you can be able to do that and then also uh, if you are able to act in the next couple days uh, we are having a variety or a type of Black Friday special and so we have some Bring Back Tony t-shirts and so we mentioned something before and I got a, a redesign Uh, taken care of and we're offering it for $15 and so if you want to go ahead and take advantage of that uh, you can go to the 24podcast.com forward slash bring back Tony all together all one word and so that'll take you to the page there where you can be able to order your t-shirt there and so again, $15 so I think that's a pretty good deal and so Um, You can be able to go check that out. And so it ends on Sunday, I believe, at least Sunday here in the United States. And so we will go ahead and uh, have that offer there. And I think we're going to go ahead and close with that. Um, If you have any feedback you want to give us, you can leave a comment on the blog at the24podcast.com or you can send us an email. um, And that is feedback at the24podcast.com. And we would love to hear what you have to say about uh, Season 3, Season 4, anything related to 24. We would definitely love to be able to have your feedback. We'll include that in future shows. And uh, next week, we should be starting into Season 4. And we're definitely looking forward to that. Maybe looking at maybe a slightly different uh, format. And so uh, looking forward to being able to share that as well. So uh, I hope you guys have a great day and a great week.